For GayWorld.net, I'm Chad Colvin, and I am at Bridge Studios, Stargate's home for almost 15 years with Martin Wood and Amanda Tapping. Thank you again both for taking the time, what could be the final time in person, to uh, sit down and talk with us about... Uh, Why? What's happening to us? Why? What's happening? What's going on? Where, where are we going? Chad, what? We're not going anywhere. We're staying here. Stargate was canceled? What? <laughs> <laughs> We just keep inventing shows so we can work at the Bridge Studio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we figure if we hang out long enough, they'll give us the Stargate back. Yeah. Let well, me know how that works. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll come back. Got it. Um, like I said, it's been about 15 years. There's nothing now for the first time in 15 years that's Stargate-themed in production. What are your thoughts on where the franchise is at now and uh, its current state of dormancy? And uh, is a break like this good for it? Do you think maybe it was time to step away for a little bit and maybe let it... Um, I don't know that a break like this is such a good thing. I think what would have been really great is when Universe wrapped up to do the movie that I think Brad Wright had envisioned, which was which would pull together Universe Atlantis and SG-1. Mm-hmm. And sort of as a kind of a gift to the fans, but also as a, as a gift to the franchise, a, a final reckoning where everyone comes together and there's a bit of closure. I think would have been a very cool, uh, really quite poignant way to end the franchise, as opposed to not knowing what's going to happen to it. That seems to be yeah. my lot in life, not no, it's, knowing it's, what's happening <laughs> to the franchises. It's true. I mean, uh, Star Trek Generations did it really well. And I mean, everybody everybody, you know, looked at it as, as, a, as the ability to be able to bring cast members back to... Uh, um, uh, back into the fold, uh, especially because when they live generations apart, it's really interesting to sort of see how you could do that. And only in sci-fi can you do that. You can't do it in, in you know, if they if they ever have the Gunsmoke uh, uh, movie, you're not going to get generations of Gunsmoke, even though it lasted for a long time, um, because there's you, in sci-fi you can bring everything together. And same thing with uh, with Stargate. The nice thing about Stargate is it all happened at the same time. You know, it all happened within the lifetime of all the people. So it's a much easier find to bring them all back together. <clears throat> I know Brad has a movie, uh, which will probably be worth a huge amount of money if it stays in script form. He probably has it stuffed in the back of his house somewhere. Um, you know, so uh, but he has. He's talked to both of us about sort of what his plans for it have been, um, and. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's what you see end up happening because it is too valuable a property for MGM certainly to uh, um, to let go for any length of time. But it it does you know um, once you clear the shelves of everything uh-huh. and you still have this giant fan base that really wants everything, you uh, um, you can put pretty much whatever you need to out on that shelf again, and they're going to grab it like um, redos of some of the uh, commentaries and. Stuff they they can cycle through okay. that stuff. The best thing to, for them to do right now is to, to do this the, the bigger movie. Right. Spend a huge amount of money on it. And now there's the a whole new generation, right? There's a whole new generation of people watching Stargate. Mm-hmm. I have seven year olds coming up to me now saying, "Aren't you Sam Carter?" And I'm like, "Oh my God, I started this show before you were even born." Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. Don't turn your hair blonde again. You have a lot more. Of I'm a lot, but there's a whole new generation. So I think that it. It's not too late for the franchise to be mm-hmm. to have another. And now that MGM's in a little bit better financial situation than what they were, even a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the unfortunate thing is that they were in financial trouble at the moment when that movie should have been made. Mm-hmm. So um, the cool part is that that, as Amanda says, it, it is ripe for the picking right now. 
You didn't say it. I, I, I put words in my mouth. You did put words in my mouth. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is, it is the time for it now. Would you uh, be a part of an event, or do you think it's at a point now, both within your careers, where maybe it's better just to look ahead instead of going back to that well? Are you kidding? Oh I'm my not god. <laughs> I, I wake up in the morning thinking, wouldn't it be great if I was heading into Stargate this morning? I love Stargate. Yeah. I love Stargate. It's a huge it's a huge part of our lives and our careers and our families and our everything. Um, so absolutely I'd be on board. I think that most of us would. Mm-hmm. I think there was just something fantastically special about it. And mm-hmm. and uh, I think we all agree that the franchise needs it needs better closure. And so I'm sure that, you know, as Michael gets stupid famous on Saving Hope, which is possible, <laughs> yeah. we still might be able to lure him back into the fold. I'll take his But I think no matter what I'm doing, no matter what I, what I am doing, I would come back for a Stargate movie, for sure. Fifteen years on these sound stages adds up to a lot of memories, um, both personally, probably, and professionally. Um, both of you, uh, more than some others, have called this home for a long, long time. Um, do either of you have any favorite memories from behind the walls? The okay. day I met Amanda was my favorite memory yeah. ever. <laughs> was the, the most impressive day I've ever had on Stargate was that day when, <laughs> when she walked into the boardroom. It was actually the first day anybody met her because she'd been holed up in makeup for so long. It was unbelievable. That is so not true. It is not true, actually. You're a liar, liar, pants on fire. I actually, I, I have to tell you this. I, I um, Because I was, I was actually working on... The next show after the uh, the pilot, so, but on the pilot I was there from sort of the beginning to watch sort of how things were coming together. And uh, uh, what's interesting to me is that the day that uh, um, everybody went into the boardroom that day, I uh, I did go upstairs just to see what you looked like. You did? Yeah. Wasn't disappointed. What was I wearing? Was that the... You were wearing a uniform. The uniform. Yeah. Just because my reproductive organs are on the inside, <laughs> steady the outside, son of a gun. Uh, oh, yeah, good times. Um, I thought that was a marionette that said that. It was. Um, I have a very distinct memory. Um, because when, when the Stargate, when we first started shooting Stargate, the series, we were in, in this, this stage. stage. Yeah. Stage five and six were still being built. So, um, and then everything was moved and miraculously put together. But I remember with Michael um, and Chris, Michael in particular, and I walked around a corner and saw the Stargate for the first time. And that's when the that was the aha moment for me where I went, oh my gosh, this is a huge show. I've told this story before, but then at the very end of the series, after the last shot of Unending, Michael Christopher and I went up to the boardroom looking down on the Stargate, put our arms around each other and went, well, that happened. You know, tears and the whole bit. And just kind of stood there and, and it was a wash of ten years of our lives. And all the ups and downs, and all the, you know, the love and the fights and the everything just was like <laughs> galvanized in that moment, and it was really beautiful. It was really beautiful. Um, we'll shift gears a little bit and talk some sanctuary instead. Um, the last time that we actually sat down and talked was prior to season three. Was the last time that I saw you. Oh wow! Yeah, it. that's right. Yep. Um, a lot has occurred both on both the business side and within the series mythology. Um, after resolving the whole Kali storyline. Um, there are some great standalone episodes in the first part of season three. We also get to see some developing relationships for Will and for Henry start to build up. Um, was that always part of the plan going into the season, or was that a, more of a response to 
from fans as far as wanting to see more of the personal lives of the characters as opposed to... I think in any series it makes sense that once you get sort of... You, you get all the blocks in place, you know, who's who in the zoo and and what the zoo looks like, then mm-hmm. then it, the next logical step is to start to bring out more of the personal aspects of the characters. And for us, I mean, things like when Pascal Hutton came on the show, she was so fantastic and so lovely and so it made sense to bring her back more and more and more and more. And even, you know, when she was pregnant and we were trying to shoot hiding her pregnancy and then she was really pregnant and we didn't try to hide the pregnancy and that, it's just like that's, you find something really special and you find a great chemistry and that sort of helps predicate how it rolls out. It's not like we said, oh, let's give Will a girlfriend in season three and do this and oh, let's give Henry a girlfriend and do this. It's just how... It's been nice to see them happy for an extended period and Mm -hmm. not have something right. I know, right? I think when when we first started Sanctuary, there was... The reason I laugh when you first asked the question is because I have to say there was no plan. There was was an idea. And the idea was to sort of... uh, It was a grand idea up here. And what ended up happening was that um, as Amanda says, as things started to gel and people started came into our lives and they started to work, and um, you just want to keep moving those storylines along. And there were storylines that we had thought we were gonna you know, we were gonna pursue, and then they sort of fizzle because you don't really like where they're headed or what's happening with them. And and uh, it's a very organic process making a, a TV series, and, and unless you have a a very definitive end mark that you want to get to, and, and we never did because we just kept thinking, why would we want to stop this? Mm-hmm. So, um, But it does, it, we, we also are in the position on Sanctuary where we never knew that much in advance of when we had to start shooting, right. whether we'd gotten the final green light because of our financing situation. And, and so we often only had like a month, five weeks, if we were lucky, to prep an entire 13-episode season, uh-huh. or in one case, a 20-episode season. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, you know, it's like, let's get the first three episodes out, and these are our long-term goals, but the minutia of it is. Uh-huh. You know, we, Jonathan Young came in, and he blew us away <coughs> so much that every year we wanted to use him more and more, and mm-hmm. it was basically based on Jonathan's availability. Right. It's like, when are you not doing a play? Okay, so we'll p- plug you in here, and we'll plug you in here, and we'll plug yeah. you in here, and we that's change seven episodes. We should a huge number of plans because he wasn't available. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and I think that the, the interesting thing about what happens when you do that kind of stuff and you, you are that liquid. Really the only place that, that a plan resided was in Damien's brain. And he had sort of he had an inkling about how to get somewhere and then he'd sit down with the two of us and we'd discuss sort of plans and it, what's funny is that, that because it was a very dynamic plan, you know, in terms of it, we could go here, we all got to input you know, how we wanted to get there. And it doesn't usually happen like that. It doesn't usually happen that you get um, you get the ability to sort of have that kind of a, a growing, um, a petri dish of, of uh, a series inception in there that, that, that allows you to keep moving forward with it and everybody uh, has their fingers in it. Which is awful if you put your fingers in a petri dish. Probably, <laughs> some, some probably why I'm sick. Strap condition. Ooh. Had your fingers in the petri dish. <laughs> Uh, midway through season three uh, began the whole Hollow Earth uh, plot thread that actually had repercussions all the way to the end of season four. You know why Hollow Earth came along? Um, uh, Damien found an access to Hollow Earth in his backyard. Really? Yeah, and he was there for, he was gone for like four days and we didn't know where he was. Came back and said, I have a great idea. And we never figured it out until we were shooting that, uh, the, the one show in the backyard and somebody went, hey, what is this? It's access to Hollow Earth. It was unbelievable. 
And that's how it all started. That's how it yeah. started. True story. <laughs> Regardless, that's just a big gopher. That's all it was. Yeah. Uh, regardless, though, like I said, it had repercussions all the way through the uh, end of season four and an opportunity to uh, give all the characters really some much deeper plot lines to work with over the course of the Season four was the most amazing season we did. This yeah. is, it, bar none, it was, it was the greatest season we had. Were there any aspects of that continuing storyline that you felt worked better than others or ones that didn't work as well, even though that made it into the finished product that maybe you would have done a different you know, way? I, I think it was such a huge idea. Like, when you actually decide to make an entire other world on a TV show, especially on a budget that, that is, like, three people's wallets big, you know, it's uh, it's really difficult. And we're, we, we tend to to, to uh, overreach like that a little bit and I, I think in that case what we did is we stretched our resources uh, as far as we could in creating Hollow Earth. Um, I think once we got back into sort of you know deciding that the repercussions of Hollow Earth was what we were going to deal with on our own surface planet was a little bit easier than being in Hollow Earth. And being in Hollow Earth I don't think I liked Praxis, but I didn't. <clears throat> I wasn't particularly fond of the rest of Hollow Earth. The fungus farmers. The fungus farmers and the cook in the caves, and yeah. I think it's like Martin said: when you have an idea that's so big, it's almost impossible on our budget to realize the full potential of what we wanted to realize. But I thought Praxis was incredibly yes. cool. Yeah. Um, I think bringing them up and you know the idea of containment in that made sense, but I I don't know that it. I don't, know. I don't think any of us were really super happy with, with no. the way that, that it... I, I think we liked the idea of, of Hollow Earth better than the, the way that... It came out. Uh, it came out, yeah. But I like the repercussions of it. I like mm -hmm. the, yeah. the splitting of it. Yeah. I'm glad we got rid of the Hobbits, because they would have been that was a that, And that was, was so expensive. Such a dead end. So, talk about some thoughts <laughs> on... Let's talk about some thoughts on just some individual episodes. Uh, Metamorphosis, that was the Will point of view right. episode mm -hmm. that Annie Makita directed. Right. Um, different from basically anything that had been attempted this far as far as an extended period of just Will's eyes mm -hmm. you know, for literally two-thirds of the episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, were there any difficulties in shooting that that you didn't have? I think probably for Robin more than anyone because mm -hmm. he had to wear this helmet cam and it was really heavy and he would get headaches and his neck would hurt and... And it was also trying to sort of figure, you know, Act figure it out in your head. Yeah, and and then for us looking right into the camera lens, which is like you know the biggest no-no you learn first day of going to, you know, I'm going to act on TV school. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm. The Acme. I, I am going to act I've on seen, TV school. I've seen your certificate. <laughs> your graduation certificate with, with honors. honors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it actually was kind of cool too to play. Graduated, something. come loudly. Come is with what? It's You're fired. <laughs> You're officially no longer my friend. You're fired. Um, but I th it, th there was a cool kind of connection, too, with being able to to look right down the barrel of the lens. Uh -huh. um, but It's a very personal show because yeah. of that. It's, and it's, it's, but it's weird because yeah. the camera's here. And, and Robin was wearing these glasses that gave him playback, like, so he could see what uh -huh. the camera was seeing. So his eyes were covered with this weird playback thing, and, and it was weird. 
It's yeah. really weird. And I mean, the, the logistics of it were the hardest part uh, for Andy because he just had to work through all of the the and it, the show when it when we actually uh, had it on paper was a much bigger, much different show than it was actually when it turned out on on the screen because just because of all the problems that presented themselves with having to do it at point of view. So uh, I love the fact that we did that. I love the fact that we 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 took the chances in Sanctuary that you never get the chance to do when you've got you know. Uh, uh, network and studio overlords and, and Sanctuary we didn't have that and so we can do the point of view shows we could do the musicals um, you know we did the cartoon one that nobody saw um, and uh, and uh, so it's fun to be able to do those kind of things <laughs> the stop-motion animation one that, that was I cool. did on that weekend so. yeah. <laughs> um, Normandy that was a big episode too was oh, amazing. I love Normandy Normandy had such an interesting vibe to it it was so could have had a better director. Could have had a better director. That was, our one, that was the one holdup. I don't even remember who I, I that remember one, they were good. They were good. I rem I, there were so many parts of shooting Normandy that I remember so clearly. And the fact that our art department built yeah. a, a French village down the side of our parking lot, like beside the studio, yeah. down that side, that was... Like same, place the most where Mumbai was, was, same place where Mumbai was. Same place that Dubai or uh, uh, um, that, uh, Port of Djibouti. Yeah, that was all back all in that same spot. Yeah, Mumbai and and Carrington mm -hmm. existed in the same spot. It was amazing, and so that I mean, and it was really, but it was a cool vibe on set. Everyone really wanted to honor that period. Mm -hmm. We all had family members who'd been involved in the war at some point, and. And so, in as much as it was really kind of fun and, you know, play dress up and look a little different, and there was this real reverence to it. I remember we were, we were shooting one night, um, and it was raining, and, oh, it was and, uh, you... And we were up the mountain. You'd, you'd, uh, no, I wasn't thinking about that, oh. I was thinking about in, in Carrington, and you'd wrapped. And usually when you wrap at night, it's like, guys, I gotta go. And you weren't leaving, and everybody said, Amanda, you can go. But it was just that there's this, this kind Camaraderie of that you didn't want to not be a part of. And then when you were up in the mountain, that was, that was unbelievable. And you were supposed to leave the next day for, for Florida. For Florida. You and, and Robin were supposed to leave, and we were shooting all shooting night long. All night. It was pouring rain. We had the tank, and we had to move it from one spot to another. And it was, it was just it was a logistical nightmare, but it was so much fun. Those are the days. Those are the days that... that, that from sanctuary days that, that you just remember vividly when you close your eyes and think of it. And Normandy was, was one of those shows where, as Amanda says, the, the, the idea of, of doing that is one of those things that we get to do in, in sanctuary. Because you can travel through the, 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 the time periods and stuff like this, and you can play in all of those times. And when Damien came in with the idea of Normandy, he, he bit into it hard. I started reading books, started doing a lot of research about Oh, but that. his pitch to the network was the best thing ever. Oh, yeah. Instead of just sending, like, the log line of this is what the story is going to be like, have you heard this story? Damien sent a bunch of memos from different people in the war. And it was like, you know, Colonel so-and-so sends a memo to so-and-so. And about how dangerous this, this, this Helen Magnus was. And but he sent it as a series of secret memos at, like, a... a and it was the coolest way to pitch a show. And it fell flat. Flat. They, we were like, this we is were like, brilliant. oh my god, this is great. And and we're just like, but it was like all done on old paper and with stamps and seals and uh -huh. and he 
it, I thought it was just phenomenal, and the network was like, "Huh? What is this? <laughs> What's the storyline? What's the story? <laughs> what the are the plot? stakes? <laughs> the stakes? <laughs> That's yeah. the occupation of Europe. How's that for a stake? <laughs> Can you do it during the daytime? Yeah. Oh yeah. We got That's asked right. if we yeah, could we do it. We could wow. shoot it during the day. Um, no. Um, both of those episodes, Metamorphosis and Normandy, uh, aired in the second half of the season after Sci-Fi had moved the series from Fridays to Mondays, Mondays. and uh, obviously that reduced the viewership a little bit over the course of that back half of that season. Um, was it frustrating watching the numbers coming in and yes. seeing the decline? It's that always frustrating when when you because you, it's your show and you're so passionate and you're thinking, could this move to Monday night kill us? And if so, then who do I kill? You know, it's just to be, it's so, uh, it's so important yeah. to, once you get an audience for a show, to, I don't know, to honor that momentum. And, and I understand <laughs> under a lo- on a lot of different reasons why they did it from a network perspective, but I'm not a network executive. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a producer of a television series and, and the star of a television series, and to me it was just like, you're screwing with my show. And uh, you sent a very strongly worded uh, email. And then I got on the phone. About it, yeah, because uh, saying this is ridiculous. Why are you doing this to our audience? They all they all want to know. They all need to know what's going on with this thing, and uh, and you know the, it was an experiment, and they found that the experiment wasn't working the way they wanted to, so they moved us back. You know, and um, it the rebounded audience, pretty quickly. It did. it did rebound really quickly, but the sad thing is, is that we lost a lot of audience on some really great shows. We had we had. Um, one of the top three um, uh, DVR, PVR recorded shows in North America, um, which means that the majority of our audience was on uh, recorded uh, playback. So they, they watch this later on. We had huge numbers, which only really counts for Netflix and iTunes. It doesn't count at all for the networks. And so when you're looking at the, the uh, ratings that we had, they're not indicative of the audience that we had. The audience that we had was at, was four and five times bigger than what our ratings were. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, it was a it was an important thing for us to know that that we, we had an audience that was much bigger than the ratings. Uh, the ratings were disappointing because they were our future, um, and if we'd been able to contain that audience that was watching us four and five nights later, um, and the network always came to us with, "Your plus sevens are great. They're amazing." But really, they say it the sort of the same way that uh, that one of your old teachers comes up to you and says, "You're a great student." You know, it's like they don't benefit from it at all. So, um, is that weird analogy? Where that came from? It's really weird. Yeah. Over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Had a teacher come up to me and said, "I'm a great student." So, anyway, continue. Question, please. <laughs> um, one of the best episodes, in my opinion, in season four. Uh, a few. Yes. That fugue was amazing. Uh-huh. And the songs, uh, Damien, I know, wrote some of the songs. All Damien of wrote all of them. Yeah. Damien and Andrew Lockington wrote all the songs, except for Jim Burns and the Irish right. ballad right. that Henry sings. Talked um, at nauseam about this episode. I loved it. We loved it, too. We were, I was freaked out. I was not sure that this was the... I, what are we doing? A musical episode? Are we jumping the shark? Is this crazy? We're not trying to be Buffy here, are we? What are we? But it was so beautifully done and so organic to the story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it didn't feel like we were cutting to, you know, jazz hands. Uh-huh. It, it felt very organic and and the recording of the songs was everything about it was just such an. It was like Normandy. It was an experience. Mm-hmm. It was. A, it was. You've got a strong voice. 
Thank you. Oh, you're she's welcome. got a beautiful voice. It's really funny because Damien was like, I don't know if she can sing. And I was like, I don't know if I can sing. I, mean, <laughs> I, I used to sing, but I don't know. And so he wrote me a very simple song. And then very sweetly said after I got it on the first take, said, uh, oh, I probably should have written you another song. Andrew Lockington was, was really impressed. He called right after you guys had finished your, your recording over at Damien's and called and said, oh my God, you have this cast of singers in this thing. I, I can tell you my favorite, pl- I, I've told you this before, my favorite moment in Fugue was uh, uh, I walked into the office and Damien and Amanda were at Amanda's desk. And Damien was standing there with his, his and I really wanted to, ca- I, I said I wanted to capture this, because Amanda was sitting at her desk, and, and we shared an office, and I'd come in, and I realized it was kind of a private moment, so I closed the door and was trying to be very small and just in the background, but they were so absorbed in what they were doing, and um, they were going over Amanda's song, and Damien was sort of, he was going, na 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 Abby, can you hear me? And you were you were you were singing with it, and I just sat at my desk with my back to them, going, "Oh my God, this should be preserved," because it was my favorite moment of fugue was was just watching the two, my two friends work on this amazing piece of work that was going to turn into a tour de force, and it really did. It did. The parapet scene with Will and Abby is so breathtaking. Mm-hmm. There's so many moments in it. Sitting with and having Jim Burns oh, sing wow. to me, yeah, and not to not be able to look at him, I was bawling. Like there, so we would cut, and I'd be like, "Oh, Jim, stop it!" Because <laughs> he's so lovely, such a lovely human being, but such a phenomenal. Tentatively, I'll see him later today. So really, I have to play that back. He, yeah. I, I just there's I, I, there's not enough words for superbly awesome in the dictionary. Orthosaurus that could describe Jim an orthosaurus. We actually have one of those to on me. the show. He's an orthosaurus. <laughs> but he, yeah, he's phenomenal, and and so then to have him sing that song is like. Yeah. And Ryan, one of those Ryan just, yeah. he didn't, Ryan didn't record his. He, no, he sat sang it down live. and sang it live. Really? Yeah. And uh, because it was the time. And we were actually time. all singing live, but we were, the track, we laid down a track. Right. And then we would sing, we'd have these little buds in our ear and we could hear the song, so we would sing it live without the music playing. Mm-hmm. So all the crew would hear was our a cappella singing. Right. It was, it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. I'd spend time, and every time I went down, I'd try and just sort of, you know, melt into the background just to, to, to not get in anybody's eye line and stuff like that, because I didn't want anybody to be self-conscious um, that old Tin Ears Wood was there. And, um, and uh, but just listening to it, I'd come upstairs and go, what? Like the, the, the parapet scene the parapet was, scene was, was and crew was crying. And, and I gotta tell you that, that the first time you sang, everybody came down for it. You were in the room, but you didn't realize that the, the walls of stage one were all filled with people because all three of you, uh, both you and Abby got to, uh, uh, and Pascal got to sing. And uh, it was She's the first big time. She's got such a phenomenal time. voice. Yeah. Such a beautiful voice. What a, what a that it was again, amazing. It was David really fun. Kindler, man. He just, he just, he and went just for the, it. Like recording the songs and then we came, at one weekend we were recording songs, the next weekend we were rehearsing on the stage. We were working nonstop on another episode leading up to Fugue and then on weekends coming in and rehearsing Fugue, and then we started to shoot Fugue. And nobody complained, nobody was tired, because we were so invigorated by the idea of doing something so different, and so nervous that the crew was going to hear us sing, and the crew was all nervous. It was great. It was great. Um, I know you guys have heard this a lot lately, especially on Twitter, because I know a lot of fans have been approaching some of the cast and, and crew that way in regards to it. Season 4 aired, finished airing basically right before the end of the 
year last year, and since then there really has been no announcement as far as <laughs> anything future wise. Um, do you see it returning? I know the season four finale could function as a series finale. Mm-hmm. If it, it totally could. Uh, do we see it returning? I, I'd love to see it return. That was never an intention to end the show after season four. Um, and in all honesty, I mean, we're not going to be on TV screens in the fall. We know that. Um, it's really just, a, it's been a logistical and quite heartbreaking, soul-crushing play out of events. But the truth of the matter is, sci-fi was not able to make a decision in a timely fashion as to whether or not we were coming back for the fall. They had their whole um, crunch going on with Comcast, Comcast taking over and NBC. And so they weren't able to give us a decision. Our financiers were getting really nervous about whether or not the show was going to come back. And even though sci-fi doesn't have to tell us till July, they're t- telling us in July means that this show's not coming on the air in fall because uh-huh. we can't possibly do it. In that time period where our financiers were getting nervous and the network wasn't making a decision, uh, our studio came up for lease. And our studio is very expensive, and they wanted us to sign a year-long lease and pay three months in advance, and our financiers were like, well, why would we do that? Because we don't even know if the show is... So they released the studio. So all of our assets are currently sitting in a massive storeroom, mm-hmm. everything sanctuary, except for our sets, which have been sold, right. which is fine. We blew you up know, anyway. We did blow up the sanctuary <laughs> at the end of it, so that's not a big deal. And Damien and I went down to the network and pitched... Uh, you were up here starting this, mm-hmm. and Damien and I went down and pitched a miniseries that we thought was really cool, and the network bit. They loved it. Uh-huh. So now we're in this weird position of trying to convince the financers that there's still a legitimacy to the franchise and to the series and that there's still money to be made in some fashion and trying to convince the network that we have to get them to talk to each other. Uh-huh. And that, you know, that's the hard part right now. So if the fans want the show back, I mean, they can talk to sci-fi all they want, but sci-fi will say, well, until the financers say yes. And I guess you could go after our financers, and our financers would say, well, until sci-fi says they're going to pick it up. Uh So we're caught in this awkward political business catch-22. Business collide. Because uh, even even the network, when when we got a call from the head of the network, Mark Stern, uh, from from the president of the network, he called to say, I have to admit that season four was your best season ever. It was amazing. We loved what season four was doing. but his hands were, were tied at that point. He couldn't make a future decision on it because it just wasn't he wasn't available to do that, um, or the, the decision capable uh, decision making power wasn't available to him at that point. So um, uh, I think, given their feelings about the show, they certainly would have brought it back. But that's again when, when art and, and business collide because yeah, it so is you've got uh, sci-fi dealing with Comcast and you've got sci-fi dealing with mm-hmm. our financiers, the BD Group, who own the show. And we are the, you know, creative producers who just want to make the show. It's been, I can't, like, without sitting here and bawling my eyes out, it's been the most heart-crushing, soul-destroying experience because it's a really good show and we love it. And we're stuck between these two really opposing forces. There is a really good plan. There's a good plan. um, For what is, is... uh, another season. Mm-hmm. There's a really good plan for a miniseries, and there's a, the beginning of a plan for a really amazing movie. So everything is there from our standpoint. Yep. 
We're, we're um, good to go. <laughs> Helen, Helen Magnus is is, uh, is staying in fighting form. Uh -huh. um, I saw her actually kick the stuffing out of a uh, out of a, one of the kung fu dungeons the other day. So oh. it, was, it was scary, actually. It's tough. It's hard to keep that part down. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are both involved in a brand new production called Primeval New World. Um, Martin, you're an executive producer on it. Man, I know you're directing a handful of episodes. I'm a hired gun, man. I just came in. I'm directing a few <laughs> episodes, and I'm walking out. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the original UK version. Um, what excited you about this project, and um, what can new viewers and fans of the original um, expect? Well, um, we've changed it slightly. It's now um, it's now a, uh, a cop drama, um, and uh, it has a really bad sheriff that's a dinosaur. Slime. So. <laughs> Thinking what'll draw the viewers in. Exactly. Um, okay, uh, so go ahead. you you know it better. Than I you. don't. It's not my show. But um, from what I understand from the scripts that I've read and what I'm about to start directing, as opposed to being, By the way, uh, we've given Amanda the hardest show this year. Yeah. So far. Oh. I, I did the pilot, and it was it was it was easy compared to what she's got to do. So. Yeah. Thanks um, for that. Um, I think it's yeah. It's toss you into that. Up for yeah. It. <laughs> Sink or swim, sweetheart. You don't have to act. Come on, direct. Um, it's not a. It, it's not supposed to be the British series. It is, in fact, a continuation uh -huh. of the British series. So it's not a recreation, but a, a step forward in the franchise, where the anomalies now start appearing in North America. We make no bones about the fact that we are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and that that's where the anomalies are showing up, and which is actually a phenomenal, beautiful setting to bring dinosaurs uh -huh. into, the middle of Stanley Park. I mean, it's great. Or in my case, a Canadian Tire store. Yes. <laughs> right, wonderful in its own right too. <laughs> um, so it's a but it's uh, but it's the same idea of the team, and we've actually had the British lead come. Right. The best worst kept secret is Andrew Lee Potts was here for the beginning. Yeah. 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 Which and was a big hush hush, and now everyone yeah. knows. So they brought him back, and it brought him here, and he's that, which was great. It was mm -hmm. very cool. So it's nice, there's a there's definitely a lot of connective tissue. It's the same studio in England, uh -huh. Impossible Pictures. Um, so it's, it, the, the, as much as it's very different and off on its own, it's also uh, very connected. And I just found out, gosh darn it, that you got Andrew Lockington to compose for you guys. Andrew Lockington is now... Gosh, that's a major coup, dude! On, uh, ...on hiatus from Sanctuary to do the music oh, for oh, that's, yeah. that's very that's a huge yeah. coup. Shona told me yesterday. Yes. Like, I'm sorry, I, I thought I was like, what? Look at our kid. Yeah. Um, the the uh, the handshake that, that Andrew Lee Potts gave us when, when we came here, which was, you know, getting our two leads together, the original UK Primeval and, and Primeval New World together, into a scene where essentially <clears throat> Andrew Lee Potts comes in and says, uh, we're here I understand what's going on, but see ya. <laughs> and I mean, the interesting thing about that is that that the Primeval New World doesn't have everything that Primeval UK had. Uh -huh. So it's not like we pick it up from where they finished and we continue on. It is us having to discover these things on our own and make some of the mistakes they made and make new mistakes that they never made uh -huh. um, on our own. So what the fans can look forward to is an understanding that these anomalies are here, and understanding the dinosaurs come through, um, without the understanding of we've watched all the episodes in New World that that, uh, that came out earlier. So we don't have giant reports that we can read from from uh, the Ark. We don't have you know the understanding of who Philip was or anything like that. So uh -huh. we're poised to make 
a lot of the same kind of bears, but because of who we've got leading our team, they will be different and, and very much it's a different story than that. So uh, the similarity is anomaly, dinosaur, and uh, um, and the word primeval. Uh, but from that point on, it's it's going to be new. It's a little bit darker. Um, it's a little sexier. I mean, you don't get much sexier than Canadian Tire. Um, I'm telling you, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. What's funny is that Amanda originally had a uh, had a show that was uh, that was. It wasn't. It was certainly wasn't easy, but it was a it was a much different show than what she had. And it was, it was shooting up on Grouse Mountain, yeah. and it was shooting maybe potentially at the old O'Neill Jack O'Neill cabin, right. and it would have been like it would have been cool. And Beautiful then, Canadiana. Yeah, and then like two days <laughs> two before days I before. started prep, I was like, that episode's been scrapped for what? And I'd done all this prep, and then it was you'll get your script, and I got it like hours the before, before the yeah. production, uh, before my concept meeting. Right. So she came into it, and and all the way through the I concept meeting, I, I it's funny because I, I know Amanda's looks, and I know Amanda's uh, demeanor <laughs> well enough that. We'd be reading along, and there'd be something there that she hadn't seen the night before when she was reading this, and her, her foot would swing out, and she can pendulum this foot like a high kick in, a, in kung fu, and and hit me in the ankle where nobody knows it's happened, but my ankle has actually been shattered. Um, she did it four it's a times. Gift that four <laughs> times she did that in that concert. That's why he's put me here where there's solid things, right. so I can't yeah. get you guys. But.